This is Isabel Cortez, and thank you for joining me once again on Scary Stories for the Soul. Heaven has no rage, like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury, like a woman scorned. William Congreve wrote that in 1697, and the sentiment remains as true now as it did 300 years ago. I doubt that William Congreve knew about the legend of La Sayona back when he spun this delectable yarn he being an English playwright and the folktale originating in Venezuela, but his words remind me of the South American spirit nonetheless. There are many who would lump La Sayona together with La Llorona, the weeping woman of Mexico, but that would be reductive. La Sayona is unique in her own right, but if we have to compare her to someone, or something, it would be the white lady, the ghost of a woman dressed in white who haunts rural roadsides and attacks unfaithful men. La Soyona is the vengeful spirit of a woman that presents herself to men who have stepped out of their relationship and deceived their beloveds. She gets the name of La Soyona due to the white dress that she wears, similar to a medieval slip. Legend says that she appears to men asking for a cigarette while they're outside of a club or bar, or on the side of a road asking for a ride. The men, bewitched by her beauty, say yes and it's not until they get a really good look at her that they notice her face. Her beautiful features have morphed into the skull of a dead woman, exposing rows of sharp and broken teeth. The men are never seen or heard from again, and La Sayona retreats back into the night until she finds her next victim. Now you might hear this and think to yourself, what a cruel monster. Or you might hear it and think, well, they got what they deserved. Either way, La Sayona has her reasons for doing the things that she does. For starters, her real name is Casilda, and Casilda lived in a small town in Venezuela where she was known for her breathtaking beauty. All was right in Casilda's world. She was married to a loving man, they had a healthy baby boy, and their little family was brimming with love and happiness. One day, while bathing in a nearby river, Casilda noticed a man watching her by a tree. Uncomfortable and vulnerable in her nudity, she quickly left, got dressed, and ran home. She prayed that she wouldn't see the man again, but while bathing the next day, she saw him. And she would continue to see him for the next few days. He would follow her into town, around the plains where she lived, and she sometimes saw him lingering outside her home when her husband wasn't around. After days of being stalked, Casilda finally got the courage to confront the man and tell him to leave her alone. But what the mystery man said to her next would shatter her world. I'm sorry, the man said. I didn't mean to frighten you. I only came to warn you. Your husband is having an affair. I've seen it with my own eyes. Confused and heartbroken, Casilda asked the question that she didn't know if she wanted the answer to. Who is this woman? Your own mother, he replied, and left her. Casilda became unhinged. She ran back home to confront her husband and found him sleeping with their son in his arms. Looking down at the man who held her heart in his hands and the son that they had made together, she realized that no matter how hard they tried to move on from this, she would never be able to trust him again. Consumed by rage, she set the house ablaze, with both her husband and her son still inside. It's said that people could hear her husband's cries of pain from the village square. By the time that people got to the house, 
Gasilla was already on her way to exact her revenge on her mother. She found her sitting on her patio. One look at Gasilla and her mother knew that she had found out about the betrayal. Gasilla attacked her with a machete she had taken from home, striking her in the stomach, causing her to bleed to death. As her mother died, she cursed Gasilla to an afterlife of unrest. But her curse would also come with a mission. After her death, her spirit would be tasked to avenge wronged women by killing their unfaithful husbands. And from that day on, Gasilla was known as La Sayona. It seems unfair to call Gasilla a monster. She was deceived by not only her husband, the father of her child, but also by her mother, the woman who brought her into this world and guided her throughout life. To be cheated on and deceived is one thing, but with someone so close and dear to your heart, that is something completely different. But then again, she is a murderer. She killed her child along with her husband. She took an innocent life. Even in her grief and anguish, she should have been sane enough to spare the boy's life. But she didn't. He unwillingly paid for his father's wrongdoings. So was she a monster or not? I guess that's for you to decide. There are other versions of the legend of La Sayona. In one iteration, La Sayona appears to men working in the depths of the jungle. She skulks through the trees, listening in on their conversations as they talk about the women that they have abandoned and the women that they are cheating on them with. Taking on the beautiful visage of an innocent young woman, she appears to the men and lures them into the thick of the forest where she transforms into an animal-like beast. Before they get the chance to scream for help, she mangles their bodies and leaves them out on the forest floor for their unfaithful compatriots to find. She can also appear to them in the likeness of a loved one as a means to gain their confidence so they don't struggle when she separates them from their group. La Sayona can also appear to men in the jungle who are lonely and even thinking about being unfaithful. Their willingness to step out of their relationships draws La Sayona to them, putting a gigantic target on their backs. But this version of the tale is a little bit different. La Sayona will test the men. She will see if they are actually willing to cheat, even going as far as getting intimate with them. If the men do it, if they actually go through with the deception, she brands them with a special mark so that when they get home, their wives will see that they had a run-in with La Sayona and were unfaithful. Does one call on La Sayona? If you believe that your husband is being unfaithful, is there a way to call on her and use her to exact your revenge? Or does she do that on her own? Can she sense when a man is being deceitful? Nobody knows. There is nothing in the legends that clarifies this. But ask yourself something. Are you willing to go down that path? La Sayona is a tale of anger and impulse. Gasilda was so blinded by her rage that she not only killed her husband and her mother, but her own son. There is no way to come back from that. Are you willing to call on her if you could, knowing what she would do? That is blood on your hands. I think it's best to leave La Sayona alone. She's going to do what she's going to do. And it's best to not only not get in her way, but also live a life where you would never have to run into her at all. The story you're about to hear is one of deceit and anger and hurt and loss. It's about a woman who felt lost and abandoned, 
and a man who felt no remorse or shame until it was too late. Carla's brain was having a hard time registering what she was looking at. She knew what the object was, of course, a pink diamond earring set in silver, but she couldn't figure out what it was doing in her bedroom. She didn't wear pink earrings, she had never owned a pair, and as best as she could remember, she had never been gifted a pair either. But there it was, nestled in her deep blue carpet, about to be sucked up by the vacuum cleaner. The logical thing to do was to pick up the earring and toss it in the wastebasket. It could have been there for a multitude of reasons, and there was no need to freak out. But as she bent down to pick it up, her fingers couldn't quite touch it. Her body told her not to touch it. It was tainted. It was wrong. It was a symbol for something far worse and heartbreaking. So instead, she grabbed a tissue from her tissue box and used it to pick up the earring where she placed it on her husband's nightstand. Then she continued vacuuming, ignoring the pink glint that hit her ears every time the sun hit the diamond. That night, her husband came home to a warm meal and a clean home and a smiling wife. Carla had kept herself busy throughout the day, but she would have been lying if she had said that she hadn't run back up to her bedroom to stare at the abominable earring at least three different times. She tried to keep a passive face as she and the love of her life ate dinner at the table they had received as a wedding present, but her mask could only hold for so long. I found something today, she said, keeping all emotion from her voice. Oh, what's that? Her husband asked with a smile. A pink earring. I found it on the floor next to our bed as I was cleaning our room. She watched the expression on her husband's face shift. And in that kaleidoscope of emotions, her worst fears were realized. He composed himself quickly, and with false disappointment coding his voice, he said, Oh no, you found your birthday present. I dropped the box yesterday, and I guess one of the earrings must have fallen out. One of Carla's eyes twitched involuntarily. But my birthday isn't until June. Yes, he replied, not looking up from his food. It's February. Well, you can't blame a guy for starting early, can you? Looking into the face of the man she had sworn her heart to more than 12 years ago, she said, No, I guess not, and continued eating her food. There's too much salt in this, he said, pushing his dinner away and smiling up at her. When night blanketed the sky and she and her husband were nestled warm in their bed, Carla got up and walked out of her home and into the backyard, she stared into the forest that brimmed her property and shivered against the night air. Animals called out to each other in the darkness of the trees, and Carla lent her own cries into that cacophony of sound by opening her mouth and screaming as loud as her lungs would allow. She doubled over as the air escaped her body with that one languished cry, and then fell to the moist grass beneath her. Her world was shattered. When she was finally able to compose herself, she walked back into her bedroom and lay down in bed beside her husband. He was fast asleep. He hadn't heard a thing. But there was someone who had heard her. A figure in white, hiding within the trees. Carla hadn't noticed her. But she had noticed Carla. The next night, when Carla's husband conveniently went away on a work trip, 
she created a mental checklist of events that had occurred that would have warned her against what was happening. First, there were scratches she had found on his back sometime last month, which he had casually explained away as a clumsy accident. He had scratched himself a bit too hard, but Carla had remembered thinking that there was no way he could have gotten to that spot on his back. Then, there were the constant showers after getting home from work. He would shower in the morning, around 8 a.m., and then shower again after work, around 7 p.m. I just get so sweaty at the office, he had said. The AC is broken. She had kept her thoughts to herself, but felt her suspicions growing when she noticed the sweat on his dirty clothes smelled like perfume. And there were the constant phone calls from unknown numbers and the text messages that seemed to come in the dead of night. I've been a fool, she thought to herself. No, her subconscious replied indignantly. He has made you a fool. A fool is a fool, she replied out loud. But what could be done now? In her mind, there were only two solutions, confrontation or voluntary ignorance. Her mind danced with both options and came up empty. The ringing of her phone pulled her out of her thoughts. She walked over and saw her husband's name flashing on the screen. Should she answer it? He was probably calling to tell her more lies, but she swallowed the pain and answered the phone anyway. Hello, she answered. I have to tell you something, and I need you to not speak until I'm done. Can you do that? He asked firmly. Taken aback, she slowly said yes and listened to the tale her husband had to tell. Abraham had been sitting at a bar in Caracas, sipping a drink and relaxing after a busy day, and he was feeling pretty good about himself. He had successfully lied to his wife and recovered his mistress's lost earring. Sure, he had been worried when Alondra had called him panic-stricken, crying over the missing diamond. He had called her an idiot and warned her about what would happen if his wife found it. But she had found it, and he had been able to bluff his way out of any suspicion. He was feeling so triumphant, in fact, that he was telling the story of the missing and found earring to any man who would hear it. With liquid courage coursing through his veins, he told the men at the bar about his sordid affair and the dutiful wife he had waiting at home. He had met Alondra through work. She was the replacement for one of his pregnant secretaries, and as soon as he saw her, he laid claim to her. She was young, almost ten years younger than him in fact, and beautiful, and she worshipped the ground that he walked on. She was impressed by everything he did by his powerful position in the office, and by the money that he lavished her in. Yes, she knew he was married, but he told Alondra that he was unhappy. His wife was lazy, had grown fat over the years, and was mean to him, constantly belittling him and unappreciative of the things that he provided for her. Of course, it was all a lie, but she would never find that out, so what did he care? It's not that he didn't like being married. Carla was a great wife he had gone broward over the years. He wasn't going to divorce her and let her go off and be with another man. So he just had to make sure he was extra careful whenever he brought Alondra to the house so as to not raise any suspicion. If he was being honest, he didn't think Carla would leave him, even if she did get caught. She didn't have her own bank account. All her family was in Maracay, more than an hour away, and she was completely and hopelessly in love with him. She had been ever since the first day they met. 
Abraham was sure he was in the clear. After bragging to literally every man in the vicinity, he decided to step outside and have a smoke. As he was looking for a cigarette lighter, he noticed a young woman in a white dress walking towards him. Her caramel-colored skin glowed in the moonlight, and the garment she was wearing swayed in a non-existent breeze. He was mesmerized by her. ¿Tienes un encendedor? Do you have a lighter? he asked her. The woman coyly ran her hands down her body and shook her head no. She smiled at him, and he let his cigarette fall out of his mouth and onto the floor. Abraham, she purred his name. ¿Te conozco? Do I know you? he asked. ¿Quieres conocerme? Do you want to know me? she replied. Abraham smiled, and when she offered him her outstretched hand, he took it without hesitation. He followed her into a dark alley where she pushed her body against his. Just as he was about to kiss her, she asked, ¿Y tu esposa? And your wife? Abraham had laughed. Ella nunca lo sabrá, he said. She'll never find out. At this, the woman's face quickly changed. He watched as her once beautiful features morphed into that of a grotesque and half-decaying skull. The skin on her face fell off in strips, exposing the graying skull underneath. Her eyeballs rolled to the back of her skull and kept spinning until they finally popped out and fell onto his expensive shoes. The once full and supple lips that he had been dying to kiss dried up and shriveled before his eyes until they were nothing but dust. Several of her teeth popped out and fell to the ground, and those that did remain in her mouth began to chip and decay. Her body began to wither. Abraham could see her arm bones, her shoulder bones, and chest bone through her skin. The skin on her fingers tore, and her finger bones came through, and from her nail beds, sharp nails sprang forward until her eyes resembled claws. Abraham screamed and shoved the woman away from him, but she caught hold of his arms and pulled him close. She opened her mouth, her breath hot and revolting, and shouted, Traidor! Traitor! He screamed and wept and with all the force he had, pushed himself free from her grasp. Without daring to look back, he ran from the alley. Even as he was running, he could hear her behind him, calling to him, mentiroso, engañoso. He couldn't escape her iry. It was in his fright that he remembered the stories that his mother used to tell him about a spirit woman called La Sayona, a ghost who haunts and kills unfaithful men. Abraham knew that this was a thing that was chasing him. He ran until he thought his heart was going to explode, and when he thought he found a good hiding spot behind a dumpster of a restaurant, he called Carla to confess his infidelity. Maybe if he came clean, La Sayona would leave him alone. Abraham spewed out the story to Carla without taking a breath. When he was done, Carla listened to his labored breaths. She heard his sobs and his prayers for mercy. I'm sorry, he cried to her, but she remained silent on the other end. She's coming, Abraham sobbed, panicked. I'm sorry. Say you forgive me. You have to say you forgive me. Carla looked around her home. She looked at their wedding pictures on top of the fireplace. 
their vacation pictures hung up on the walls, their anniversary pictures from last year in a small frame on the coffee table. I forgive you, she said. Abraham let out a sigh of relief. But you belong to her now, Carla finished. Just then, she heard a horrible cry coming from the other end of the phone. It was her husband, screaming in pain. But there was another cry that could be heard. The animalistic and hysterical shriek of a woman. Carla heard tearing and ripping noises, the quelch of a body limb being torn from body, and what sounded like crunching and chewing. But she never hung up, never removed the phone from her ear. It was only when the noises stopped that she finally hung up the phone. Abraham's body was found the next day. It was torn open and bloody, the result of an animal attack, the police said. But the woman in the village had been told that he had been found with a strange mark on his body, something that resembled a brand. And they knew it was the mark of La Sayona. Abraham's death was ruled a freak accident, but everyone knew what had really happened to him. The vengeful spirit of legends long past had gotten to him. Carla attended the funeral and wept for her deceased husband like any good wife would. When she arrived at home that night, she stepped out into the cold air of her backyard and saw what looked like a woman in a white gown standing by the tree line of the forest. She knew it was La Sayona. She knew who she was looking at. And La Sayona was staring back at her. She didn't know what to do. She wasn't going to say thank you because... This wasn't exactly what she had wanted. She didn't know what she had wanted. But at the same time, she wasn't going to condemn the vengeful spirit either. She would be lying if she had said that violence hadn't crossed her mind. Carla had gotten to such a point of anger that she had contemplated ending her husband's life. She had given him so much. Her youth her life, her love, and what did she get in return? But no, instead, she looked at La Sayona and gave her a quick nod in acknowledgement. The spirit did nothing for a moment, but then nodded back and disappeared into the trees. Carla never saw her again. People commit unspeakable crimes in moments of anger and rage. Some repent, and others do not. La Sayona is one who does not repent for her sins. Even as her mother cursed her, even as she watched her mother bleed out, acknowledging the fate that she had just been cursed to, she never repented for what she had done. Instead, now, she takes justice into her own hands, and deals her own brand of pain. My only advice to you is, I guess, to live the kind of life that La Sayona would move past from. You don't want to attract her attention, either by being unfaithful or by wishing that you could do something about the unfaithful. That's just on me, though. Think about it. Until next time. <laughs>